good morning. You know, it's a real privilege to uh, have 24 hours notice, um, to have a, the privilege to share a message. And you guys know who I am. If uh, Merlin is going to be out, I usually raise my hand pretty quickly um, in 24 hours notice. So anyway, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to share this morning. And I want to continue the theme. I felt God wants us to continue the theme that Merlin has been building for the last three weeks. So the, the title of the message is going to be the same as Merlin has been used in the last three weeks, which is Christ has come. Amen? I mean, we should be a little more excited. I think Merlin kind of primed the pump a little bit, but we should be excited about what God is doing in our lives. Amen? You guys know I like to say that a lot, so I apologize uh, up front. We're from the South, and in the South you say amen a lot. Um, so you may hear that a few more times today. So the thought this morning as I, um, we had this text going around yesterday with Merlin not feeling well, and I have to say, Merlin hardly ever misses a day of work, like ever, right? And so for him to be out, he obviously must be pretty sick, so we need to make sure we continue to remember him in our prayers, and also just to encourage us that God has done some great things for us in giving us a pastor who such, uh, has such a burden for the truth. Amen? Like, what a blessing we have in our pastor who has such a, a heart to teach and preach the Word of God faithfully. And I just want to encourage us as a church body, as a family, to really be in prayer um, for healing for them, number one, but just for protection. And that God would continue to use him as the man of God that he is for him and hiding the children. But we are blessed. We are blessed. You know, Merlin started this theme three weeks ago, looking at this prophecy in Zechariah um, back in Luke chapter one. And we've been in this prophecy for the last three weeks. And the first week, three weeks ago, he started talking about um, how God had visited us or inspected us. He did this by sending his own son down to be born in a manger. How he gave us his son, which was Merlin was alluding to earlier, and we looked at several different ways at the birth and the details and, and how Jesus was this pure lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. And it testified to the goodness of God and how he had planned for us. Like God had this master plan, just like Merlin alluded to this morning, just as sin happened back in Genesis chapter three, God already had a plan. He had a plan of redeeming us. And so as we think about this morning, we're gonna we're going to continue our, our theme of Christ has come. But I want us to think about, so yesterday was the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Whether it is the right day, whether it's not, it doesn't really matter, right? We can still celebrate that Jesus has come. But, but what about now? Like today's the day after. Like what do we do today? Like we go home, we put the Christmas tree up, we throw away, we go out and burn this big pile of boxes and, and all those things, right? And then tomorrow's Monday and then we just go right back to work. Like, is that really what God has been doing in our lives? Is that really what God has been teaching us the last three weeks? Is that really where God would want his body, his local body at Riverview to just, just go back to, to life as normal? And really, our life following Jesus should never be just the life of normal, right? It should be continually growing in the grace and knowledge of who he is. The second week, um, Merlin walked us through how God provided what we, what we needed even though we don't deserve it, and that's mercy. God provided mercy for us. Mercy carries it with that we are not getting what we deserve. We're reading to this that we deserve something that we're not getting because of mercy. And then last week, he talked about how we are redeemed. Isn't that a beautiful word? Redeemed. 
we have been redeemed. And uh, we've been redeemed in what looks like and what that looks like in our lives. We looked at what we need, uh, why we need redemption, and the great blessing of being redeemed. So this week, <clears throat> we've been looking at how Jesus coming, we get something we don't deserve, something we cannot do on our own, a gift that is worth celebrating. And as most celebrations with holidays, when they're over, we have this tendency, like we talked about a minute ago, just to return to, to normal and look forward to the next holiday, which would be Easter. And we look forward to New Year's next week, and we're going to have this uh, New Year's resolutions. You know, and we just kind of have this cycle of life. And, and I really feel like the Lord this year, especially as we've been going through this Christmas season, like that's not where he wants us to return. Like he wants us to continue on. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm super excited about next year because our theme in 2022 is, is what? Discipleship. Like this is gonna be a great year. Are you guys excited about the theme for next year? I don't think you are. <laughs> I'm not feeling that. Merlin's gonna listen to this later and he's not hearing that, <laughs> right? He's not hearing the excitement. But I'm excited about that. Like, what, what is God going to do in us and through us? I'm super excited about us being on board with God's plan, what God wants to do in our lives. So let's get back to our question. So what now? So I'm going to start off by reading the prophecy that, that Merlin has been reading the last several weeks. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 68 through 79, just to continue this theme. I don't mean to take Merlin's sermon away from him, but as we... And this 24-hour notice yesterday, as I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to share? I just like the Lord gave me what he wanted me to share. And I just want to be obedient to that today and share what he shows me. So the verse 68, the Bible says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Again, this is Zechariah's prophecy. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Verse 76, and you, child... And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. So we're thankful that you our God who's not taken by surprise. Lord, you've had a master plan from the very beginning, Father. You knew Adam and Eve would sin. You knew that you would provide Jesus. You knew that you would make a way, Lord, that we as, as sinful people, Lord, who, who've broken your laws, who've separated ourselves from you, Lord, you made a way that we can have access to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we can celebrate this time of year of the great gift, Father. And Lord, I pray that as we Go through your word this morning, Father, that you would minister to us, Father, that you would speak to us, that your spirit would guide us and direct us, Lord, as we walk through your word. And Lord, we know that your word is powerful, Father. Not that it was powerful, but it is powerful, Father. And I pray you would speak to us, Father. For every one of us in this room, Lord, we all have a need today. 
And that need is to continually walk in with you. And Lord, I just pray that you would solidify that in our hearts today, Father. You would challenge us in that today, Father. But Lord, I, I just pray, Father, Lord, as you've given this message to me yesterday, Lord, I pray you would help me, Father, to um, get out of your way and allow you to speak to your children. And Lord, I do pray, Father, Lord, if there's any in our midst today, Lord, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we know that we're thin today, but Lord, that doesn't matter. Lord, those that are here are the ones you wanted here, and Lord, the word you want spoken is gonna be spoken, Lord, and I just pray you would have your perfect way in us this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you think about these verses, and Merlin's done such a great job. He's the only man I know that can preach like forever out of the same section of verses and just have powerful messages week after week. Such, a, such an honor. But the word that I saw, and I, I, I'm not sure what Merlin was gonna focus on this week, but the, the word for me was, was salvation. You see that in verse 69. You also see um, how we are, um, that we should be saved from our enemies in verse 71. It's the same word. It gives the picture it gives the uh, picture of deliverance or preservation to be saved, saving, a picture of us really being rescued. And I just want to challenge us this morning. Do we still remember what God started us so many years ago? You know, some of you have had Christian families for as far back as you can count generations, right? You come from thousands of generations of Christian families. You became a Christian when you were just a young Young person, which praise God for that, right? Like, what a blessing to serve God at a young age. I had a young person ask me, you know, I, I don't feel like I've got much of a testimony to share. I gave, I gave my heart to life. I think this young lady said she gave her heart to life, heart and life to the Lord at like 10 or 11 years old. She goes, I don't have much to say. And I'm saying, well, you've got a lot to say. Like, what has God protected you from by saving you at such a young age? What a blessing. This free gift of salvation. You know, it's such, a, it's such a wonderful thing, but I think sometimes as Christians, we get a little numb to words that we hear all the time, right? We sing songs about salvation. It's all over the Christian radio. It's, it's in our songs that we sang this morning. It's all through this holiday season, right? But sometimes we lose the value of what those words really mean to us, that God is saving us, that God has done everything necessary for us to be saved if we're willing to put our faith and our, and our hope and our trust, and what he's done for us. And I don't know about you, but before I came to know the Lord, like this really didn't make, didn't make any sense to me. Didn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't understand. Like, if I was God, like, this is not how I would do it. It's a good thing I'm not God, right? <clears throat> but God made a way. Do you remember your salvation story this morning? Can you recount what God has done in your life and maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a story at all. Let today be the day that you start that story of what God is gonna do in your life as you surrender your heart and life to him. So this morning as we walk through some scriptures, I'm probably gonna learn anything new today. But my, my heart is, and what I believe God's heart is, is that we would just be reminded of what God has done, the way that he's made it available to us that we can follow him. Amen. I don't know about you, but as I was going through this, man, I was really encouraged by this. 
And Nate, thank you for sharing those words out of Psalm 43. Great, great encouragement what God does for us. What a blessing. So I want to look at some scriptures to reminded of salvation. Again, this isn't a complete list, but just to be mindful of, of how we come to know the Lord. And go look at some verses in Romans. You know, Romans chapter three, verse 10 said, there's none righteous, no, not one. None righteous, right? Well, who, who's part of that none? Yeah, it's, it's all of us, right? Like it, it all points to the fact that we need salvation. We need a savior. Romans 3.23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Again, who's part of the all? It's all of us, right? God uses these words all the time. It's all of us. Like we all have this need for Jesus. Now, it's not just for us inside here. Now, is there, is there more all out there? Does anybody know some all out there? We do, don't we? Like what God is doing in our lives, what God has done in our lives, it's not so that we can just come to church on Sunday morning and sit in the pew and keep it warm, right? It's so that we can go out and, and be with the all. For all have sinned, including us, and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that. Do we ever feel a little self-righteous? I know it's not just me, right? We do feel that way at times, don't we? Be honest, it's church, Sunday morning. We feel very self-righteous at times. We need to be reminded that we all have a need for Jesus. We've all fallen short of his glory. Some have really stepped in it big time and others of us have stepped in it too, but it all equals the fact that we need Jesus. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For the wages of sin, think about this, we earned death is what he's saying. We earned it. We've earned it by our actions. The Bible teaches us if we've sinned, we, uh, the penalty for that or the payment for that is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you guys, but I really struggle with this verse. That Jesus 2,000 years ago dies on this cross I'm not born. None of you are born. Some of you are old, but, right? But we weren't even here yet. There's kids that are gonna be born. There's pregnancies that are gonna happen. Jesus died for all of them. Like, I, I can't comprehend that at times. This is the love of the God that we serve. It just blows my mind. But he demonstrated his own love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for me. Christ died for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If we confess with our mouth, and this word confess isn't really talking about, I said it once. It really is a life of confession. It's a continual thing, continually walking out our faith if we confess with our mouth. Romans 10, 13, another beautiful verse. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. You guys know any whoever's? You know, Glenn, they mentioned John uh, three sixteen this morning. Do we know any whosoever's this morning? Like, I love these verses. It's not, it's not just for a few people. It's for all of us. What God can do in us and through us. 
Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast, believing and trusting in what Christ has done for us. You know, this grace, through grace we've been saved through faith. It's what we believe. We believe that what Christ has done, his finished work, paid the penalty for my sins. Christ has done it all. And because of that, now that righteous requirement that wages of sin, that righteous requirement has been fulfilled in Jesus, right? And this is where we get in trouble a lot of times because we think, well, if the righteous requirement's been fulfilled, now I can go do whatever I wanna do, right? That's not true at all. God still has a righteous requirement and he still has an expectation that as we follow him, that, that he continually narrows us up, continues to guide us and direct us to be more and more like him. Jesus didn't start some work in us only for us to be half-baked or half-finished. The Bible teaches us that what he has begun in us, he wants to complete. That's a good place for an amen. Thank you, brother. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter two. Read a few verses from there. Mark chapter two, we're gonna look at verses 13 through 17. Just to kind of apply some of these verses. The Bible says, and he went out again by the sea and all the multitude came to him and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he says to him, follow me. So he rose and he followed him. Beautiful picture of obedience, by the way. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for they were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Then that call come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do we still remember that we're the ones that Jesus came for, that we're the sick ones, we're the ones who need the physician, that we're the ones that we, that, that Jesus died for? Or do we think that we're so righteous at times that really the, the, the sick and those that need Jesus, they're out there, but really they're right here, right? Like, raise your hand if you don't need Jesus, right? It's not true, we all need him. Like what he's begun in us, we still need him to continue that work. I love the apostle Paul as he gets towards the ends of his life. He calls himself the chief of all sinners. Like the closer he got to Jesus, the more he recognized his own sinfulness. And I don't know about you, but he was more righteous man than, than probably we'll ever meet, right? <clears throat> In your Bibles to John chapter 14, first six verses of John 14. Picking up right after Jesus was predicting Peter's denial. John 14, starting in verse one, says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, and I love these words. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. You think about what that implies. It implies that Jesus is everything for us. Amen? He's the way. You think about the Apostle Paul in in chapter 9 of, it was actually Saul at this point, in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. He says, I want to go out and I want to be able to bring these these Christians, so to speak, back who are doing what? They are living the way, the Bible says. Same word. Jesus says he's the way. There's There's these new Christians and they're living a different way. They're living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And and Saul, who goes out and wants to to bring them back, right, to face trial, and ultimately he wants to destroy them, he's going and he's looking for those that are following the way. What about us this morning? Like, is that the testimony of our life? Is that the testimony of our life that we are following Jesus, that he is truly the way for us? Like, his ways are perfect, his ways are true, and I'm willing to lay everything aside in order to follow that. Do I see him as truth? Do I see his words and I read these? Do I immediately think of someone else? I think, man, I am so glad. I'm just gonna pick on Eric a minute. I'm so glad Eric's listening to this this morning, right? Or am I reading my Bible going, as Nate was encouraged in Psalm 43, am I reading my Bible and saying, this is for me? Like, am I walking the way, the truth, and the life? Because Jesus in one one sentence here really gives us a picture of, of all that he is to us. This way, this journey, this path that we have, the truth. We know the Bible teaches us in John chapter one, verse 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that he is truth and that he is life. But he goes on to say that no man comes to the Father except through him, that there's only one way to the Father and that's through the gift that we have in Jesus. This gift that we celebrated yesterday morning as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. But remember when we talk about the birth of our Savior, that's, that's the very beginning of the long journey that Jesus had and, and the beautiful picture that we have in Scripture of what he's ultimately gonna do for us when he, when he willingly lays his life down for each one of us. When he rises again three days later for each one of us. He gives us power and victory over sin and death because of who he is. The way, the truth, and the life. Turn your Bibles over to John chapter six, verse 44. In this section, Jesus is talking about how he's gonna be rejected by his own, but in verse 44, he says, "No no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up the last day. Unless the, unless the Father draws him. Another scripture says, unless the Spirit draws him. You know, I don't know about you, but before I came to know the Lord, like, God was doing some things in my life. You guys recognize that? That God was doing some things. God was pointing to himself. And, and I had that opportunity where, what am I gonna do with that? Am I gonna jump on board and, and realize that Jesus is who he says he is or I'm gonna continue living for Chris? And, it was, a, it was a little bit of a struggle for me for a number of weeks to really, like, is this really true? Is this really what God has done? Is there truly a God out there? Can God really change us? And the answer is yes. 
He can't and is able. Like this is what he does. But the Spirit has to draw us. And I tell you, if the Spirit's drawing you and the Spirit's leading you to do something, you had better do it, right? Better hop to it. I think of Pharaoh in the Old Testament when God, through Moses, was trying to get him to let the people go and he continued to harden Pharaoh's heart. I think the very same thing happens to us. I don't have scripture to back that up. That's just my thoughts. I think that as we continually reject the Lord, we, we get a little hard-hearted and we're not able to, to quite hear from the Lord the way he wants us to. So is any of this ringing a bell in our lives this morning? Do you remember that our salvation started with God and it continues with him? Our part is to follow him. So this morning, if we had to, if we had to take a temperature of our faith, of our following, of our, uh, our commitment, what would that look like? Like if we had a barometer and let's say 98.6 was all in and like where would we be? Like, what questions could we ask each other to try to challenge each other? Like, what if I asked you, like, what are you, what are you studying? Like, would you have an answer for that? If I asked you, did you lead your family in devotions yesterday morning at Christmas morning? Could we say yes to that? What are you, what are you reading with your wives, husbands? What are you studying together as husbands? When you, do you pray together as a husband and wife? I'm not asking you to raise your hands. What's the burdens of your heart? If I ask, how can I pray for you? Would you just have something just right there? Right? And I love to do this to young people and they tend to get a little stumped. But if you ask old people, sometimes we get stumped too. Like what's, what's God doing in our life? You know, the textbook answer is teaching me patience. Do you guys hear that all the time? Say, hey, what's God doing in your life? Always teaching me patience. What's God teaching you to surrender in his life? What, what rights is God showing you that you need to lay down in your life? Remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that we need, everything that we have need of, we have in Jesus. So I'm gonna look at a few examples in, uh, in scripture. And again, this isn't gonna be the longest message. You're not gonna learn anything new today. But God wants to challenge us to do something with who Jesus is. He wants us to fully put on Jesus Christ in our life and live it out. I heard an amen. Thank you. So I was thinking about that. And the Lord, where, where do I go with this? Like, who do I use in Scripture? Like, how, what examples can I use? Like, you got the, you have the Ethiopian eunuch. You can, you can talk about him. You can talk about the jailer in the book of Acts. You can talk about Cornelius in the book of Acts. You got the two thieves on the cross with Jesus. You could talk about those guys and really wasn't where God led me. So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're gonna look at a quick account here of this rich young ruler. It's a pretty familiar account. It comes up a lot in different sermons. I think it, it illustrates the point very well that at times, we are so very like this rich young ruler. The Bible says, starting in Mark 10, 17, and we're gonna read down through 22. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now, the terminology that this, this young ruler or this this man uses here, he's calling Jesus good teacher, which is not a word that they would have used 
to call a local rabbi like Zacharias, who read his prophecy earlier. No one would have called Zacharias these words, good teacher. This was very specific. Like, you get the picture here that this young guy, like, he recognized he was talking to Jesus. You know, we're like that at times. We recognize we're talking to Jesus, but we still kind of have some thoughts that maybe I need to help things out a little bit. Because he says, what must I do, right? And so Jesus goes right to the law, and I love this. He goes right to the law and he says, verse 19, do you, do you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't be defraud, honor your father and your mother. And when you look at the, the 10 commandments, really he's referring to the second table of the 10 commandments, which is really all about how we treat other people. And this young man, you'd expect him to say, man, I've really, I've really messed that up. Like I, I have not followed all those, but that's not his answer. In verse 20, he says, and he answered and he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Now, church, are we that way sometimes? Do we think we're perfect? Don't raise your hand. We do, at times, think that we're better than everybody else. Boy, aren't we just so blessed. We're so smart. God has done so many great things in our life, and it should humble us, not lift us up. Amen? It should humble us, not lift us up. And he's not willing, as he's speaking to Jesus, as he's recognizing this is Jesus he's talking to, at least I believe so with the words that he's using. Jesus says, if you kept all the commandments, he's talking to Jesus. He says, yep. Like, do we recognize that we're sinners, that we have sin, that that's why we need Jesus? Not that we want to live in our sin. I'm not saying that. We don't want to continually live that way. Really, our life should be about sinning less and less and less all the time. Then Jesus says, well, let's just go a little further because remember, God knows our hearts and he knows which buttons to push and how to push them and when to push them. And he goes on, he says, Jesus looking at him in verse 21, says he loved him. He loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Come and take up this cross. So he tells this guy, this rich guy, to, okay, since you're, you've kept all these laws, okay, well, let me, let me poke a little harder at you. And sometimes God needs to do the very same thing to us. He needs to, to go a little deeper to help us to see there's still some, still some flesh in there. There's still some self that needs to, to be rooted out. And so this guy quickly jumps on board and just follows Jesus, right? No, he doesn't. He, verse 22, but he was sad at the word he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. He was willing to value this life above what Jesus was calling him to do. But I love this account because if we're honest with ourselves, we do fall into this at times. We do want to earn our salvation. We do want to work our way to heaven at times. We constantly to be renewed in our mind to be able to see that it's nothing we can do on our own. It's something we have to do by faith. It's something that we have to do as God changes us, as God changes us from the inside and out. The other challenge we have is as we allow God to change us, a lot of times we want to change and we say, okay, Lord, I'm in the third grade, I'm good, right? Everybody else I know, they're in second grade, I'm more spiritual than they are, that's right where I want to stop. And that's not true. That's not true. Like, we shouldn't even be looking at other people, first of all, but God wants us to continue on. Until the day that we stand face to face with him, he wants to grow us up in the grace and knowledge of who he is. He wants to use us. This is the part that 
is unbelievable to me. He wants to use us to further his kingdom. Like there's a purpose behind this. Like Jesus didn't do all this so we can get together, warm the pew, say amen, go home, come back next Sunday. Like he's doing all this because he wants to refine us and make us in his image to use us. And we're gonna talk about that all next year as we look at discipleship. So this rich young ruler, he had his, he had his struggles, right? And, and so do we. So do we. So there's another example the Lord led me to. Turn your Bibles to Luke 19. So we looked at an example that didn't work out quite so well. This is a great example. Um, great example. Luke 19, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses, and we're looking at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a, a wee little man, right, as the song goes. So we're going to read in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus entered and, passing, and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Boy, we see a common theme here a little bit. Verse 3, And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. So you have Zacchaeus here. It says he was a tax collector, chief tax collector. Like he was over however many other tax collectors. Like he was one of the main guys. He was a short guy, couldn't see a whole lot, right? And there was this crowd. Obviously, if he's in Jericho, Jesus is going to pass that way. Like he couldn't get through the crowd, at least the picture that I see. He couldn't get through the crowd. He couldn't see Jesus because he was short. And he was just, there were a lot of people. And he thought, well, you know what? I'll go ahead and I'll climb up in this tree so when Jesus passes underneath, I can see him. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate the passion that Zacchaeus has to just see Jesus. To just see him. So he ran ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. And as he was going... He knew Jesus was gonna come that way. Now think about Zacchaeus. Now what, what caused him to have this burden to wanna to go and see Jesus? You know, he'd probably heard. Jesus is having these miracles. Jesus is the different, he's teaching different things. He's hearing, my, my opinion anyway, he's hearing that Jesus, like he loves sinners. Like there's an opportunity here for me. Again, that's just my takeaway. It's not exactly what the scripture has to say there. But he goes, I have got to see Jesus. Like, I, I just have got to see him go by this way. To the point that this guy, as a chief tax collector, probably wasn't 20 years old, right? He's probably an older guy to get to that position. So you get this older guy, short, probably had to get a leg up to get into the tree, right? And now he's doing everything he had just to see Jesus. Like, do we have that same passion? And not only that, but as Jesus starts to come this way, this is so beautiful, Verse five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said, I love this. Who told Jesus what his name was? He already knew, didn't he? Jesus knows your name too. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. Not only did he know his name, but Jesus wanted to see this man as well. I love that picture. I love that picture that we can pursue the Lord He loves to be pursued. He knows our name. He wants to commune with us. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained. It says they all complained. Who's the the all again? Right? It says they all complained, saying, he was gone. He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 
look, he said, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, what is going on here? So Zacchaeus, now Jesus is coming to his house, right? Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, it said, probably had a nice dinner prepared. Jesus is coming to his house. And just being in the presence of Jesus, we don't even get the recording of Jesus giving any teaching. He didn't tell Zacchaeus what to do. But just being near Jesus, Zacchaeus has this moment of, man, like I'm in the presence of God. And it's changing him. And he says, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. This is what repentance looks like. Lord, if whatever I've done, like I, I, I want it gone. I, I need you, Jesus. I need you. And this is the, the beautiful words that Jesus says in verse nine. He says, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today salvation has come. Now think about that. What is our response? Like, so yesterday we celebrated the birth of Jesus. What is our response to this great gift that God has given us? We read verses about how the Romans rode, right? Like the wages of sin. Like because of our sinfulness, we are separated from God. And God did everything necessary for us to have a relationship with Jesus. But but we've got to be mindful, though, it's not on your terms. It's not on my terms. It's on God's terms. We have to accept what he has done for us by faith, but be willing to continue to live that out, to continue to allow God to mold us and make us in his image. But that's never gonna happen if we don't recognize we need it. Amen? I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to continue to be molded in his image. I wanna grow up in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. I need salvation You need salvation. This world needs salvation. This world needs salvation. So to go back to the original question, yesterday was Christmas. So now what? Like, what do we do with this? Right? What do we do with this? And it really is a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Like, what does salvation really mean to me? Do I, have I really bowed the knee or have I, have I picked things up somewhere along the way? You know, when we were in India years ago, the guys did a little skit and the skit was um, we had one, one of the young men, he was Jesus and the other young man, he was accepting Jesus into his life, allowing him to be the Lord and Savior. So, so Jesus was able to sit on the throne in his heart and we had a chair there. So Jesus would sit on the chair, right? And so it was a picture of allowing God to be God in our lives. And then so we had situations that would come at him, at this young man. And so every time he had a decision to make, he would, he would push Jesus off the chair so he could make that decision himself. And this goes on and on and on until the point that Jesus gets frustrated and gets up and, and says, you know, if you don't want me in this, then, then I'll leave. I don't know, that's just a, an example and it's just a picture. But we can do the very same thing. You know, what about that rich young ruler you know, he wasn't willing to, to give up his possessions. Like, is there stuff in your house? Is there stuff in your life that you won't let God touch? It's probably the very thing he wants you to get rid of. 
is there stuff that you won't allow God to touch? My wife and I have been reading through the book of Corinthians and we were in chapter eight and, and Paul encourages the Corinthian believers to not eat things out for the idols if it's gonna cause another brother to stumble. Like if it's gonna cause someone to have issues, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it, right? He says in, in chapter 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Like just because I can, does that mean I really should? And that goes for all of us. But we need the Lord in our lives. We need him to continually be refining us. So as you think about this Christmas season, Christ has come. He has come. And now it's all about our response to his coming. And we've got a lot of young people in this church and we pray for the young people of this church all the time. We get together as elders, we pray for the young people of the church. We really see it as a, as a treasure, right? But everything that we're talking about this morning, young people, this is for you. What can God do with a bunch of young people who give their hearts and lives completely to the Lord at a young age, the missionaries, the pastors, the pastors' wives, the impact that we can have for the kingdom of heaven? But don't, that doesn't mean that us older, seasoned folk, right, are off the hook. God wants to use us too. And I really feel like we're sitting on go, guys. Like this is the year that God is really gonna do some great things if we allow him to. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this great gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that, that we didn't have anything to do with it, Father, because we would so mess this up. We thank you that as we celebrate this time of year, Lord, that Lord, you've made a way, Father, a way for all to come to you. And Lord, I pray you'd challenge us not to limit that message, Father, that we wouldn't see some people above others, Lord, that we can reach some but not others. Lord, your, your word is for all. Jesus died for all. Jesus died for the sins of the world, Father. Lord, your word teaches us there's no, no Jew nor Greek, Lord. There's no, it's just people who need you. There's lost souls, Father. And I just pray you would give us a burden for that. But Lord, I know this has to start in our own lives, Father, because we can't go out and, and talk about something that we don't own ourselves. And Lord, I just pray that you would challenge us this morning, Father, as we looked at these verses on salvation, as we've talked about how Christ has come by, by visiting us, by bringing mercy, by redeeming us. And now as we focus on salvation, Lord, that you have done it all, Father. And Lord, we're mindful that the book of James, um, your word teaches us that this life is but a vapor. It's gonna pass quickly, Father. And Lord, I just pray you'd forgive us for, for not being about our Father's business the way we should be. Lord, open up our eyes to the things in our lives Lord, that really need to go. Those things in our lives that pull us down in our walk with you. Those things that pull us away from our walk with you, those high places in our life, Lord, that just need to go. Lord, would you, would you correct us this morning? Would you encourage us this morning? But Lord, I'm just excited that, that you wanna use us. Like, who am I to stand here and give a message? Lord, you are so good. So Father, I just pray your spirit would continue to minister to us, Father. Help that your word not to fall on deaf ears this morning, Father, but you would continue to refine us and make us in the image of Jesus. We praise you for what you've done for us. Just as Merlin was saying earlier, Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done. We just want to praise you this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.